All right, so I have finally set this podcast up. Um, by design, this podcast will only be available via the RSS link. I don't really want to distribute this podcast too widely. I really don't care. I think this is mostly for myself. Um, I'm doing this to keep myself accountable, to log my journey, and also actually serve as motivation to myself in the future so that whenever I kind of fall off of the wagon, I can always go back, get back into the the podcast, listen to the earlier episodes, get a sense of my own state of mind and uh, keep fueling this journey forward. So I want to cover a couple of things today. Let's see. Um, I now have a Notion document. (laughs) <laughs> with with some of the points that I want to make. Uh, okay, so first of all, salt and water. The reason why the name is salt and water is something about the basic necessity of salts and water um, in our day-to-day lives especially during a fast and a longer fast. I just really love this idea, this minimalistic concept that a person could remain fine on a, during a multi-day fast, just with water and perhaps some salt to keep the electrolytes in check. So um, that's kind of where this came from. I think one of the reasons why I wanted to name is name it this is because, and I'll I'll go through the history, but the um, but after trying out a bunch of different techniques, different ideas, losing weight in the past, gaining the weight back, the idea of just fasting became uh, extremely enticing, uh, and so that's kind of where the name comes from. It's a it's a reference to minimalistic, you know outlook on life, on, on fasting, uh, and, and, and not gorging oneself with, um, with various things. So, so here's the history, you know, I'll go into the history a little bit. As I mentioned the previous thing, previous episode, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fat, I'm obese, technically obese. Um, and, and there are certain personality traits that I think do lead to this sort of weight gain, um, I, I think I'll mention one thing, which is that self-discipline is, wow, you know, as I mentioned in the previous episode, I am quite successful in other aspects of life. It's this one aspect of just being able to reduce weight and maintain it at a healthy level that has eluded me for so long. Now, I've seen this story play out in a bunch of different people. I've seen it in my own brother. Uh, He, in fact, was able to lose the weight and has kept it off. I think he lost like 60 pounds and has kept it off for almost 10 years now. You know, he was just like me, chubby as a kid, grew up, went to college, lost it all in college and, and has kept it off since then. I, on the other hand, have 
you know, just linearly increase the rate over time. There have been some periods of reduction, but I just couldn't keep it off. So, you know, I was always uh, a chubby kid, a fat kid, uh, played some sports during my childhood, but not a lot. I was definitely more of the mathy, geeky, science type of person. Went to college. College was pretty stressful. Um, it was one of those, you know, it was a top college and, and just exhausted me completely. But I was also at the same time trying to make the most out of my time in college. I wanted to experience things, wanted to date girls, wanted to, you know, party and and get to know that side of the, the coin as well. But the education was very stressful as well. I did not think consciously about losing weight, although I would always try. I remember, you know, I don't know if other people are like this, but I am I am constantly trying to lose weight, but I end up gaining weight. That is such an interesting paradox that, uh, you know, maybe I'll be able to kind of investigate during this podcast, but I remember even in college, I would talk to friends, oh man, I'm trying to lose some weight, you know, I would go work out, but I would just keep, you know, gaining weight. I think in college, I may have remained remained static. Uh, I don't think I fluctuated much during then, but, um, but yeah, I didn't lose anything. You know, nothing stuck. Then I got my first job, which is pretty chilled out. You know, I didn't have a lot of responsibilities. That's when, uh, so when I started that job, I think I was around, I want to say, uh, 260, maybe 265. And I was, you know, I am six feet, two inches. So you can do the math. Um, Definitely obese. So I, this was like, I want to say the early 2010s. I get my first job, no real responsibilities. And I was making good money, not working too much at, you know, at work. And so I decided to kind of focus on the weight loss. And I tried... I think the keto diet had just come out, but I tried keto at that time. It was a relatively new concept. It felt like it was, you know, that whole era, you were ahead of the curve if you were doing a low-carb, actually a ketosis diet. The the literature out there wasn't, you know, as much, but it, it was very compelling, the idea that how the body stores fat, how the body um, loosens the fat for it to come out of the cells, how the role of the, the role of insulin, and how insulin could be controlled, or rather the uh, you know spikes in insulin could be controlled through diet, and how uh, ketosis aids in that process. This idea of multiple energy modes in the body burning glucose, burning, you know, through carbohydrates when you're typically on a car- carb-heavy diet, 
versus burning fat, ketones, uh, if you're not consuming food. There's an interesting phrase I remember reading from that time, which is that if you eat carbs, you'll burn carbs. If you eat fat, you'll burn fat. And that just kind of stuck. It's like, okay, that, that makes sense. However, at this time, there was no talk about fasting. I don't think fasting was really being pushed forward. I remember actually a talk from, from Dr. Peter Atia that, um, you know, early 2010s that talked about nutritional ketosis. And he, and I think the point he was trying to make at the time, purely in with regards to insulin and fat loss, the point that he's trying to make is that you could uh, you could actually starve your body off of um, off of uh, quote unquote I don't know food carbs I guess but uh, you could put the body in a mode that typically fasting would do you know like if you fasted for a few days your body goes into a particular mode where it's burning its own fat his point in that in that talk was that you could do the same thing with extremely low amounts of carbohydrates uh, and maybe even like moderate amounts of protein, but, you know, a lot of fat, not a lot, but, but you know what I mean, um, with a decent amount of fat, your body could be put into that same mode. And I guess that mode is your, more, your body being in ketosis and thus allow you to lose weight pretty efficiently. So all this literature was out there, and I was like, well, I have nothing better to do, so let's let's just start doing keto. <laughs> so early 2010s, 260, 265 pounds, I start doing keto. At the same time, I was pretty, uh, you know, I, I wanted to kind of work out as well, and I discovered the Strong Lift 5x5 program. And I was like, great, I'll work out a little bit. I never really worked out in like a legit setting, you know, with a, with an actual program and stuff. So I got a gym membership and I, uh, and I basically just started doing keto. How did I do it? I, when it came to uh, the keto side of things, you know, I basically kept a pretty simple diet. Like I remember... Um, not really cooking much. I would, I would just buy chicken. Uh, I would buy peanut butter. I would buy a lot of burgers. I remember frozen burgers and just cook them on the stove. I didn't do, I didn't do anything fancy. Um, and then I also found a lot of resources around me that, uh, had like, you know, you could make, you could find two options. So I remember, the sandwich shop that I could I could get this massive meat-heavy sandwich without the buns. It was a burger joint, and I would start getting burgers without the buns. Um, yeah, and, you know, people used to look really uh, in a very weird way at me. Uh, now I guess it's getting pretty common. It's so interesting, right? But back then, um, it was such a new thing for a lot of people, I think. And so, yeah, my diet was a lot of burgers, a lot of burgers, a lot of, um, 
I would try to add veggies in there, but, you know, frankly, I was never good at vegetables. Um, I would still drink a little bit. You know, my alcohol tolerance dropped significantly. And I started just kind of going towards low-carb beers. I think back then, low, the concept of a low-carb beer was, like, non-existent. So, so I used to find, um, I think I found that maybe Miller Lite was, you know, had had a... Uh, not too many carbs in it. I don't even know if Michelob Ultra was popular at that time. And obviously hard alcohol. So, you know, I would have some scotch or some whiskey around most times. So that was the food, the diet side of things. Uh, I didn't really care about when I ate. I uh, I did not stop soft drinks. I remember I would still drink Diet Coke, um, Fizzy drinks, things like that. Obviously, uh, zero-calorie stuff. Uh, And lunch would typically be a couple of burgers, just the patties with some cheese, some bacon. And the night I would eat some chicken, maybe some more burgers. Um, And that's kind of what my day would look like. I don't think I was counting calories at all. Yeah, I don't think I was at all. And then at the same time, I started on the Strong Lifts 5XY program. Started slow. You know, it was a 12-week program. And and that's what I did, 12 weeks. And I started getting, you know, putting on more weight as time, more weight on the, on the bars, you know, as time went on. So I was definitely building muscle. I could sense it. I was getting stronger for sure. And towards the end of the two of the twelve weeks, I weighed, uh, I think, two hundred twenty-five pounds. So I want to say like thirty to thirty-five pound reduction in three months, about ten pounds a month. That was crazy. Uh, I mean, I. I think I felt better. I felt good, but uh, I'll come to the problems in a second. But, but yeah, that was like a significant amount of weight loss. And that was the first time that something clicked, something worked for me. You know, I finally found something that uh, was shedding the weight off. I was getting stronger. I was getting muscles. And the fat was just dropping off. Three months. Now, why did I stop? A couple of reasons, but the one thing that started to concern me was that um, I remember having heart palpitations or um, this like weird pain in the jaw and like just chest, some weird chest pains. And I remember, you know, yes, like obviously. I was eating so much meat. My first thought went to, you know, all the negative stuff that I'd heard about, about a diet like like a, like the keto diet where you have so much saturated fat. I'm like, oh shit! I'm not like clogging my arteries. Am I, you know, uh, have I just damaged my heart or something here? I started getting super concerned about that, and I actually went to the the emergency room uh, at one point. The emergency room. 
I basically, uh, I told the doctor what I was doing. And, you know, he actually, he knew about it. He knew about this diet. He even recommended a book to me called Protein Power. I bought it on his on his recommendation. But one thing that he mentioned is that um, most likely some, uh, most likely either magnesium or potassium deficiency had occurred. And, and then they did a blood test and yeah, it showed a potassium deficiency. So that, that was good to know that, that this was happening. And, and you know, I, he gave me some pills and I, and I did take them. Uh, and so, you know, technically, I guess that problem was solved. But it left a little bit of a kind of a negative thing, you know, kind of went on. A, I said, you know, let's just take a, bre- a breather from this thing. Body has gone through a pretty drastic change. The other issue that I was having during that time that also contributed to this breather is that uh, constipation, man, like that, that was becoming a problem in the sense I had, like, sorry for, hey, trigger trigger warning or gruesome alert or whatever, but uh, it was getting hard to just pass a stool sometimes. It might be, you know, I was eating almost zero carbs on many of these days. Well, close to zero carbs. I guess all my carbs are coming through uh, vegetables, if there were any. And I would have to strain a lot. I have to do, you know, it just led to all kinds of digestive issues. The other issue is that one hack that I'd found, or rather maybe not a hack, but um, on the days on which I was not eating zero carbs, close to zero carbs, where I was getting a lot of carbs, I guess, uh, was through uh, nuts, so almonds and peanuts, a lot of almonds actually. And the reason why, first of all, almonds were easy, you know, so I was just eating a lot of almonds, and um, um, and one of the reasons why I was eating a lot of almonds is because, you know, it had they had fiber in them. So I figured maybe the constipation is because of the fiber. Did not really try any fiber product. I don't think so, but but I did. I just consumed almonds. I figured, you know, this is an easy way, quick way to just like get some fiber in. The amount of calories in in, in those uh, in the nuts didn't didn't really impact me. I don't think. I think I was just burning off so many calories in the gym that you know I was always in a deficit. Uh, but the almonds, I think, just were not getting digested well. And I think it just started to kind of harm the the, the, the digestive system a little bit. And so, again, gruesome alert, you know, I started seeing uh, blood in the stool, and that was the big one. That's, you know, and this became a bigger problem. I'll, I'll mention maybe in a different episode, but this did become a bigger problem in the future. Uh, perhaps like the, there were some hemorrhoids that got developed or whatever, but that started happening. So this combined thing of you know stool issues and and uh, the heart palpitations, um, I basically was like, all right, you know, this is a little tricky. 
what's going on. And then at the same time, another th- a third thing happened, which is that I got a new job. I got a job, different city, uh, middle of the country. I mean, you just, there were zero keto options there, nothing, nothing feasible. It was a high stress job. It was a dream job, and some, you know, frankly. And so when I moved, you know, to pursue that job, I kind of just, I, I, I remember I tried to do keto. I tried to continue. But the combination of, I guess, high stress, lack of keto options, eating gradually, the diet getting worse and worse and worse, you know, trying less hard and less hard. Less hard. Is that the right word? Trying less harder as time went on to maintain that keto diet. Um, I slowly started creeping the weight up. Like the weight just started to go up a little bit. Slowly, slowly, slowly. The weight goes up. And um, again, you know, I'm trying to maintain it, but I'm just getting, it's getting harder. You know, the stress is from work, uh, six days a week, 12 hours a day. I have no time to cook at home. I don't have those quick hacks that I used to, to have. Uh, and the stool problem is, is getting worse. Every time I attempt keto, stool problems get worse. The blood gets worse. And that was a big one. I went to the doctor a couple of times to show it actually. And, you know, at one point, one doctor said you might have some virus, H. H pylori or some shit like that, or bacteria, sorry. Um, The other one was like, yeah, there's something there, but you know, I can't really tell, whatever. It might just be whatever. It's just started getting worse and worse. And that frankly, um, you know, I didn't bother with it because I remember, uh, you know, if I ate like a normal meal, like with rice, with carbs, tortillas, like I, stools are fine, you know. So I figured that it was maybe something that I was just getting irritated. And, you know, maybe maybe that was the case. So, yeah, I just gave up on the start. And lo and behold, man, like I just started ballooning right? 220, 225 was my low, 225 was my lowest. And now I'm back to 260 easily while I'm in this phase. And then I get, again, stresses, too many stresses in life, you know, just drinking a lot, a lot of alcohol, burgers late in the night, I'm in my mid mid twenties at this point. Yeah, mid twenties. Um, you know, the meta- the the body's metabolism is still there, right? I'm still kind of coasting off of what I had before, but you know, I'm gaining weight. I should have gained maybe like an additional thirty pounds, Frank, with the way I was living. I'm still kind of surprised. If I ate like that today, oh God, you know, that's just not gonna work. So if the weight goes back up. Um, a few years go by, 260 on the docket again. And now I get a new job, this time in New York City. 
job in finance, super high paying, super high stress, again, and, uh, you know, I moved to the city, I've never lived in a big city in my life before, uh, I just don't care about diet or anything in the first year, drinking late in, into the night, 4 a.m. pizzas, holy crap, that's what I used to do, <laughs> fucking, coming back from, from a bar, um, staying up late, getting pizza from a local pizza joint, that was kryptonite, and, um, I did a, uh, one of those annual health checkups, and the doctor said, man, it's not good, surprisingly, I weighed, I weighed in at 270-ish, so I'd only gained like 10 pounds, despite all this crap, despite not trying at all, um, 270, 275, I think maybe was the top at that point, and he said, man, if you keep going down this route, it's not going to be good, my cholesterol numbers are high, uh, yeah, shit was just not good, so I was like, all right, let's, let's try to fix some problems here, um, the first thing that I fixed, and I think I was late 20s, just before I turned 30, I went to the gastroenterologist, and I basically, you know, described my issue, at the age of 29, I had my first colonoscopy, man, you know, that was something, it's like, fucking not even 30, and I'm having a colonoscopy, but frankly, I think it needed to be done, got that done, it revealed a lesion, and I was immediately referred to a surgeon to remove this lesion, that surgery happened a week, sorry, a month from when uh, the lesion was detected. At the same time, the doctor said that the ALT levels were rising in my in my bloodstream, which is uh, liver inflammation. So I was getting most likely fatty liver. So shit is just not going good at all. I think during this time, I, I, I reached up to 280. And the other issue was that, what is this lesion? <laughs> is it is it cancerous? Is it not? Like, I had to deal with the whole month of, maybe even more than a month of just, like, not knowing what the hell is going on. How this occurred. What is it? Um, and then preparing for the surgery. You know, and then recovering from that surgery. Holy crap, man. That recovery was like one of the hardest recoveries. So yeah, I got I got that. Um, uh, I won't even bother pronouncing it, but there's a, a surgery to remove lesions from the leg from the rectum. They put me out. 
woke up, like it was gone. But it's a two-week painful recovery process from that. I was going to Percocet. Oh, man. Yeah, thinking back to that shit, it was just horrible. Uh, So that happened, you know. I had... I was in the late 20s. Got this done. Recovered. It was a long recovery. Two weeks until, like, you know, the bandages and shit were kind of completely gone. But... You know, shit was still, it took a little bit, a little bit longer than that to just kind of settle down. During that process, I did not, I just kept, you know, tried to keep a simple diet, but I did balloon up. Yeah, I was like around 280, I think, at that time. And then eventually, you know, I just didn't bother, like shit was just bad, like, I don't know, just not in a good mental state for a long time after that. And I think the highest that I reached was 295. Walked into the doctor's office, 295, 6 feet 2. And shit, you know, that was just crazy. And then I I was like, okay, listen, I really want to lose weight. But I don't want... I don't want these issues to come back. I don't want to get that chest pain again. I I don't want to put a stress on my digestive system. And so, you know, what can I do? Like, I, I have even less time than before. And New York City is a, is a city of just consumption. Every meeting that you have is in a bar every hangout with friends is is at a bar i'm just consuming so much alcohol and as as soon as you drink some of that it's a it's a spiral into bad food and, and no sleep my sleep started degrading a lot i started snoring for the first time uh it's pretty bad my partner uh you know started complaining about it she she was like extremely annoyed by by the whole thing and you know i even tried uh abstaining from alcohol but that had its own issues you know i just could not that's all that's a different podcast that i think i I do want to get into at some point just like my relationship with alcohol um but you know, I was just, I was just kind of lost. It's like I don't know what to do. Nothing freaking works. I do remember that, you know, during this process, and I wasn't really looking into this at that time. But when I got the initial diagnosis once about like this, this whole thing, um, you know, around the time of the colonoscopy, because you know, with the colonoscopy, you kind of have to not eat for a while. So kind of just didn't eat much, maybe 24 hours or something like that. And then I got the diagnosis. I remember I spent like 72 hours of not eating anything. I just drank water. Maybe some coffee, but mostly water. I think it was all water, actually. And that was like my first, I guess, un unintended 
72-hour water fast. And I remember looking up, I was just like pissed off in the first day, right? Like 20, 24 hours go by, 40, uh, maybe 36 hours go by. And I was just pissed off. I wasn't, wasn't looking at what I was doing. I just then realized that I had been fast for 36 hours. And I was like, let's just keep this going because I'm just so pissed off at everything right now. I just want to handle on the consumption. I want to handle on the stress. Not eating seems to be the way to do it. And I remember it's around the 48-hour mark is when I started Googling. I was like, hey, uh, I've been fasting for a few days. How the hell do I break this fast? Because I was actually concerned. Um, what would what, what I would later learn is refeeding syndrome. But uh, at that time, I was just like, how do I break this fast? Should I eat a huge meal? Like, should I eat small? And I, and I and that is when I first came across some websites that talked about water fasting, 72 hours, you know, 48 hours, 36 hours. I came across intermittent fasting, like the whole world of fasting kind of opened up at that time for the first time, right? Uh, I kind of heard about all this. So I broke my fast, I went back to my normal life, but I remember enjoying those three days those three days by the second and third days like the mental clarity was there i felt more in control you know i felt like i just could not do like i can't make the wrong choice here right like i can't there's no kind of negative feedback loop that i can initiate when it comes to food Right, like if if like one beer leading to one pizza leading to one freaking bender, I can't do that because I'm not eating anything, eating anything. And it felt good. I still have very positive memories of that of that weekend, and that weekend was a few years ago. So that always just kind of stuck. Then I came across. Uh, you know, the idea of intermittent fasting. And just doing 16-8 felt like it would be so good for me. So I started doing 16-8, actually. Got the Zero app. And I was actually hearing a lot about fasting. Like, you know, a year or two after those events of that weekend, I started hearing more and more about intermittent fasting from a lot of people. But when people would talk about intermittent fasting, they would talk about 16-8. And the idea, at least my understanding at that time was that if you did 16-8, you're letting your body recover, like you're letting the pancreas recover, get a break for 16 hours. It didn't really matter what you ate in those eight hours you give ample time for the pancreas to kind of come back to normal. So I figured I'll do that, you know. So I started doing 16-8. And to be frank, I lost a lot of weight. Uh, I imagine a lot of it was just like water weight, you know. So I came down from 293, 295, I think. Maybe it was 293. I came down to 285, low 280s. I was great. 
um, I I also started kind of you know calorie counting a little bit. I tried a few different things. I think I brought it down to maybe like two seventies through that process. So I was like, okay, this is great, but the weight loss kind of slowed down. You know, I think by the time I got to two seventy two. I was just stuck. Like, nothing was budging. You know, I'm doing 16.8. Nothing is budging. And then I'm like, what the hell do I do now? You know? Has my metabolism just gone down? Has, like, what the hell is going on here? And then I tried to maybe push it up to 20 slash 4. Maybe budged a little bit. But, you know, as you can imagine, the frustration. You're like... Shit, man, I, I think I found something here, and I, I did drop some weight here, but now I'm stuck. It's so frustrating. And, you know, I think I, I always hated tracking calories, and I f- probably was eating my TDEE, right, my total daily expenditure or whatever that is, which is, I think, uh, in the low 2000s, maybe 2300. I was probably eating 2300 in those eight hours and just maintaining my weight. It didn't feel like it, right? Like you fasted 16 hours. Wow. Should be able to eat for those eight hours. I'm not eating late in the night. And frankly, the times when I did lose a lot of weight was when I was eating keto. Like eating keto would drop the weight. It just became mechanical. Getting a good source of consistent keto food. Um, you know, New York City has a lot of options now, but, you know, still it's not great, I guess. Too many pizzas. And so, again, frustrations, this, that, the other. Um, from two, from the low 270s, I came back to 280. And for the last year and a half, I've just been oscillating between, I want to say, 285 and 275. It's so ridiculous. Just oscillating, no matter what I tried, right? I tried 18.6. I tried 24. My body just felt like it was stuck right in that band. Absolutely frustrating. Now, I, w- I wasn't eating 100% keto, frankly, you know, I lost the faith, maybe, even though I would drop the weight. It just didn't feel like a good way to eat food sometimes, at least the way I was cooking it, you know, or I was making it, or I was, I was acquiring it. Maybe there were hidden carbs, but also maybe there was just, you know, the metabolism is dropping. You know, I I went to the other side of 30 and it just became harder and harder to freaking lose the weight. My gym attendance was not great. I was not as strong as I was when I was, you know, five years prior to that. So a lot of these things just added up and I was just like stuck there. And so then... um, I I figured that 
nothing is working here. I keep hearing about all these different fasting intervals. And I start thinking about doing the math. I was like, okay, let's, uh, point one is that I definitely still want to lose weight. As I mentioned for the last 10 years, I've been trying to lose weight, 15 years maybe. I was like, I still want to lose the weight. Generally, I liked fasting. One thing that fasting did to me is that my snoring went away completely. It was so interesting. So I don't snore anymore. I liked the idea of fasting. Spiritually, it felt good. It reinforces this self-discipline. I felt more in control in the hustle and bustle of New York City that I'm not eating, you know? I'm walking around this super busy city. I'm going to work, coming back, and I'm not eating. It felt like empowering that I can do this. You know, walking by bars, restaurants. I'm like, it's great. I'll eat later. So that that definitely helped with this with, with the sort of discipline that I didn't have before. So I like the idea of fasting. I also like the idea that you know, with fasting, I have a little bit of flexibility with what I eat because, frankly, keto was great when I was single and, and living a very stress-free life and no family around. It gets difficult with a partner uh, or when I would go to see my family who are vegetarians who are, you know, they don't eat. Uh, like they would go nuts if they found out, you know, what my diet was like. And actually that was a big deal. Like, you know, during these keto phases that I would have, if I would go on, uh, on vacation, meaning go home to, to visit the family, I would have like a week, two weeks of no keto, right? And I just, it would just bring the weight back and the whole cycle out to start again. So I wanted something that was sustainable, you know? And frankly, I do want to become vegetarian or, or vegan in the future. Like, I think there are some ethical concerns that I have about eating so much meat and, and uh, you know, environmental concerns. So, you know, I just felt like I was just eating so much meat and, and frankly, I was not seeing the results like I was seeing maybe five or 10 years prior. So fasting felt like it would be this avenue potentially that could allow me flexibility in the diet and still allow me to uh, get a better body composition. So, you know, I, I built some spreadsheets. Uh, I actually started thinking about my calorie deficit, not on a daily basis, but on a, on a weekly basis. Because I figured it could be the case that, you know, if I'm doing a 18-6, um, let's say, maybe in, on those six, uh, six, in those six hours, I might be eating too much on some days. And on other days, maybe I'm not eating as much. But in aggregate, perhaps I'm averaging my TDE. You know, that's, I think the body just is so great at keeping the weight and what it is. It's so crazy, right? At least my body, man, like it's so sticky. 
the weight is supposed to get. I mean, it's a lifetime of being chubby, right? Lifetime of being fat. The body is just unwilling to let go of the weight. So, um, oh, one thing about fasting, actually. The one downside of fasting is that I'm sure I lost hair. My hair became thinner. Like, it was pretty weird. Well, that's another topic, I guess. You know, we can get into it at some point. But generally, so I like fasting. And also, my my rectum had healed, right? I saw no specks of blood. Uh, pretty much at all. Uh, I was trying to take... I wanted to eat, like, easy-to-digest food. Like, I frankly have just shifted to eating easy-to-eat-digest food these days. In general, um, and I started to hear, listen to a bunch of podcasts, started to follow a bunch of Twitter doctors, read books by Dr. Fung, um, follow Atia, Tro, a um, couple of these people, right? This whole ecosystem of, of doctors that are propagating this idea of fasting. And low carb, low carb plus fasting, they kind of go hand in hand from, from what I'm seeing. So following a bunch of subreddits, and a lot of people started to mention that, frankly, eighteen six or sixteen eight, they might just not be enough if you want to do weight loss. Now, pause right there. Initially, this frustrated me. I was like, "What am I? What are we doing here? Are we just chasing the next frontier? Count your calories, okay? Reduce the carbs to less than 20 grams a day, okay? That doesn't work. Go to 16.8. Oh, that doesn't work. Go to 18.6. Oh, that doesn't work. Go to 24. Like, what the hell is going on here, right? So they're saying, okay, these fasts don't work." The alternative day fast might work. I was like, skeptical. I was like, that... Every time, every few years, I come across something and it's like, okay, this could work, but then it doesn't work. And, you know. So maybe that's that's what will happen with the alternative fasting as well. But there are some compelling things about this fast that that um, that have cropped up, you know. So I've done the 16-8, I've done the 18-6, I've done the 24 as well to some extent, and I and I think I understand why they may work or why they may not work. the The paradigm shift is perhaps they allow the pancreas to recover. But not enough time has gone by to digest everything to allow dropping into ketosis unless you are eating a low-carb diet. And you want to put the body into ketosis for the fat to, to burn off, number one. Number two, um, while pancreas is, is one organ, the liver is the other organ, right? You want the liver to be able to process, digest, burn off the glucose that it has in itself. The liver 
has a different timeline. Gluconeogenesis starts at the 24 hour mark or the 36 hour mark. And so if you're doing a sub 24 hour fast, then while your insulin might be operating fine, your liver is still not getting that respite. And I figured that if I have fatty liver, then perhaps I want to give the liver more time to burn stuff off. So that was another reason to think about ADF. The third thing is that the results. Now, a lot of people lose a lot of weight on keto. You can see it on the on slash r slash keto. A lot of people are doing really well. But as I mentioned, you know, I didn't really want to eat that low carb, like ultra low carb diet, like consistently. The ADF results just seemed phenomenal. And and then I learned that, you know, even Dr. Fung, Dr. Atia, Dr. Tro, a lot of them do advocate this idea of alternative fasting for extra obese patients like me, basically. And it also seemed like ADF could be really good for improving insulin control. Now, you know, one thing that I do want to mention is family history. I have a really bad case of diabetes in my in my family. My mother has really horrific diabetes. Think feet, eyes, everything. She got diagnosed in her in her early thirties. I'm approaching that age. And my dad has heart disease. He's uh, he's had um, um, a stents put in. That happened at the age of 50, 55. And this is actually prevalent in my in my family. Bad genetics, bad habits, whatever you want to call it. High stress lives, you know, proclivity to to just be stressful all the time. So this is there in the genes. So anything that that aids in insulin control, you know, just making sure that I that I maintain good uh, insulin response, low insulin low insulin resistance. I'm attracted to that. So you know uh, these points, you know, um, letting the liver do its job, get some respite. Let the pancreas get some respite, do its job, beta cell functionality, keep that going fine. Don't burn the don't burn the beta cells off. That's that's diabetes. Let the body dip into ketosis often, if not sustain it, you know, for multiple days on end. Uh, a lot of these things kind of came together, and uh, actually the fourth one was also. Calorie deficit by design. If you don't eat anything one day, technically you can eat up to two times your TDEE on the next day, and still have still have uh, a deficit on the week. Uh, you know, so I set a thing in terms of weeks, and, and so the math was kind of working out. 
there's a popular variant of the ADF called uh, like where you eat 500 calories or rather I think 25% of your body body's TDEE on the fasting days. So it's not a pure ADF. So I always had that in my in the back of my mind. And um, so I was like, all right, let's give this a shot. So I tried it. I, you know, there's one more thing I want to mention, which is that um, I was getting super frustrated by the by the scale. So I figured, you know what? I won't look at the scale for a while. Let's just do ADF. So, and here's. So I did ADF for a couple of months because I was looking at the scale only once a month. And I had not weighed myself at my height. And so, anyway, I give it two months, basically. And unfortunately, the ADF that I did was not the pure ADF. So on the fasting days, I would eat some. I thought I was eating 500, 600 calories a day. But I was like, you know what? I'll sick and I want to eat. Because... Again, you know, dealing with stress and shit like that, I, w- I was like, I need to eat something to be able to focus at work. So I did this, like, modified ADF. I still thought, <laughs> maybe incorrectly, that I was maybe going to a deficit. So not only was I doing a um, modified ADF with 500 calories, 600 calories on the fasting days, but I was also not fasting on the weekends, right? So, I mean, I'm basically just fasting. I'm basically pseudo-fasting Monday and Wednesday. Two months go by, weigh myself. Now, here's the good news, and here's the bad news. The bad news and the good news is that my weight was exactly the same as it was before I started. So, great. I have figured out a way to to maintain my weight. By the way, this is during the pandemic now, right? So, there's no exercise happening. You know, no, no working out, no physical activity at all. And I maintained my weight. So that's the good news and also the bad news. So, you know, super frustrated, you know, at my weight, and this is something that somebody on Reddit mentioned, that my weight, I should be losing without doing any exercise. I should be dropping weight quickly. Um, unless there's something really massively wrong. So yeah, I got frustrated, and that's when I decided to actually take a step back, review everything that I've tried before, and that's when the idea of this podcast came a couple of days ago when I weighed myself and I found out that I was exactly the same despite doing this modified quote-unquote ADF. So got frustrated, desperate. I was like, this is crazy, ridiculous. This is not. This should not be happening. Um, so I figured I'm going to do something this time, slightly different. I'm going to remain accountable and I'm going to try the purity for one month. That's it. So this podcast may or may not, may not, may or may not go beyond one month, one month's worth of recordings. Um, so I promised myself that I would. So I weighed myself, I'm literally 285, or actually 282 perhaps. I am going to do pure ADF, zero calories. Only thing allowed on the fasting day is going to be water and salt. 
That's it. I guess I'll lie. I might drink some teas. I think green tea. Maybe a little bit of coffee. Black coffee. But that's it. Salt and water is going to be the primary thing that I consume on the fasting days. That's point number one. Point number two. I will not gorge myself on the feasting days. This is an issue that I had before. I would literally break my fast with freaking two orders of like Indian food or some shit like that. Order some biryani with chicken tikka masala. Two full servings. Just gorge them down in one sitting. Or some other day, eat a whole pint of ice cream. Horrible. So, the second thing is going to be to eat clean on the feasting days. I'm done with gorging myself. I know I've done that before. I'm bored of it. Like, I don't want to do it. So, point one, salt and water on the fasting days. Clean food. I'm not going to track explicitly. I'll try to keep a food journal. But but I'll try to eat TDE, maybe TDE plus 20%, something like that. TDE, clean food on the feasting day. Point three, I'm going to alternate no matter what. So, I'm not going to take two days consecutive of eating. I think that the weekend gorging was probably offsetting all the hard work that I was doing during the week, despite that week not being as pure. So, so I want to give this a true honest shot, right? And so what's going to happen here is that I'm not going to have a fixed schedule. I'm a little worried about that. Maybe I'll have to adjust this in the future. But, I mean, you know, seven is not divisible by two. And so if I'm going to alternate the days, I'm going to have to basically, you know, yeah, you get it. You guys understand math. So that's point three. Uh, And point four is I am, in at least in the beginning, going to weigh myself every few days. Uh, and just to check that the system is working or not. I'm not going to get too obsessed with it, hopefully. I will see results and I and I won't get obsessed. But I know that there's this emotional component that if I don't see progress, I freaking, you know, I reach a bender and I'm like, just done. So anyway, four points that I'm going to focus on for this month. <laughs> 